I see we got some people on here. Thank you for joining me this evening for the last day's emergency broadcast. I did not think I was going to make this live recording this evening. Um, I had a very, very busy day. Uh, this week, my wife had the pleasure of hearing the most favorite words that she ever hears coming from my lips. And it's, uh, hey, I got to share something with you, but I don't want you to freak out. <laughs> I tell you what, every time that comes out of my mouth, you should see her face. She knows that something um, definitely she didn't see coming is is about to be uh, described. And sure enough, um, this week I had uh, a break in my project and uh, uh, maybe some potential life changes. And I thought to myself, Lord, in light of everything that's going on in this world, in our country, in what I want to do for this podcast in 2022 and the things that are uh, being laid on my heart that um, really um, is going to be part of the trial and tribulation and, and faith and endurance of this year. I really needed some time to reset. And so <clears throat> I'm going on a pilgrimage. That's why in the title it says... Uh, Seraphim is going on a pilgrimage. So what does that mean to all of you Western, Evangelical, Baptist, uh, Methodist, you know, whatever flavor of Christian you are? Because in this modern day and age, that's just a weird concept. Now, for the first, you know, almost couple thousand years of, of Christianity to go on a pilgrimage was a sacred journey um, that in, in people's lifetime, everybody you know, wanted an opportunity to go visit holy sites, to go visit uh, places where God came into time and space and uh, interacted with humanity. And, uh, and we lost that, you know, in the great apostasy. We've, we've reduced in America Christianity to some punchy slogans, a bumper sticker, and uh, a 30-minute sermon on Sunday with some Starbucks. And really, you guys are getting robbed, so robbed. And uh, and so I told her, I said, you know, hon, I'm, I, I feel this need to go on a pilgrimage. Now, my wife, uh, she's not orthodox as I am. And she was like, pilgrimage? What, what do you need to go on a pilgrimage for? So we began to talk about some things. And I just recognized that... Uh, Tonight, you know, I, I went to church. I got the blessing of my my spiritual leadership. You know, you know, you should have spiritual leadership in your life if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian and you don't have more mature and spiritual men or women around you, whether you're a man or a woman, to help guide you to to share your failures, your hopes, your dreams with, to seek guidance from, then then how do you figure it out? You know, and I know people say the Holy Spirit, and that's a very pious answer, but uh, that's not the system that God created. That's why Paul had a Timothy, because we we replicate Christianity. You replicate, you know, that's the fruit of a Christian. What what is fruit? Fruit is the mechanism uh, that contains the seed by which an organism procreates, by which it it recreates itself, and so. If you're a Christian, you're going to produce more more Christians, and and you're going to disciple those Christians, and you're going to pass on that light 
that's been given to your light. So I got the blessing of my spiritual authority. And unfortunately, I can't tell you guys where I'm going because uh, we have enemies and that would be foolish, but you're going to share in some of this journey with me. And so the show is going to be a little different this week because I'm doing what I'm doing tonight and I'm going to try to maybe keep it to a half an hour, 45 minutes because uh, I still got a pack and I'm going on a multi-day journey and I'm going to the place of a burial area where in orthodoxy where uh, a holy man, a saint, a person that uh, I believe encountered God in a greater way that I've been able to achieve in, in my life um, is reposing, is sleeping, is awaiting the resurrection and I'm going to uh, go to that place and fast and pray. And you may say, oh, that's absurd. That's so crazy. Why would you do that? And and I would say, study your Christian history. I would say, study the book of Kings where, where these people were fleeing from their enemies and uh, they lowered a man who was injured, who was ill, into the tomb of Elijah. And Elisha's Elisha's bones were still so full of the power of God, the blessing of God, the anointing of God by just touching that dead man's bones because he really wasn't dead. He was alive. We serve the God of the living, not the dead, that that man was instantly healed by Elisha's bones. Okay. So even the scripture shows that sometimes uh, people, even after their spirit has departed to be with the Lord, there still can be some residual effects. And I believe in holy places and sacred places. That's another thing that we've lost in in Christianity in Western America is that um, there is no such thing as the sacred day or the sacred place or the sacred time and everything is equal and it doesn't matter how you act or dress. It's like everything's just a free for all, but uh, that's not Christianity either. Just like, you know, you can go to a place where a lot of evil has occurred and you can feel that in your being, in your inner man, in your spirit. You know, that's why people are fascinated by houses where horrendous crimes have taken place because there's some kind of echo, some vibration, some demonic activity that can root to that place that we can feel. And, you you know, you can get all pious and theological on me and say, oh, that's this and that's that. But, but we all know it's true. We all um, share this collective understanding that what energies get put into a place can actually have an effect on that place. And if you saturate a place with holiness, with prayer, like all is God's, we understand this. I mean, we dwell and move and have our being in God. That's what the, the book of Acts says. But there are other places where God said, take off your shoes for this place is holy. And 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 even if I'm wrong, even if for some reason I'm I'm putting too much stock in, in this journey, in this pilgrimage, it's still a place of spending time not going out and, and pursuing my 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 own flesh and my desires, but really crying out to God and saying, What next, Lord? What what is it that you want from me? Because this year, and I would say if you're listening to this, that you know, you can go on your own pilgrimage. You don't have to travel like I'm about to travel. You don't have to go, you know, to a place uh, uh, where a holy man or woman is reposing or that where people are dedicated to, to prayer and fasting every day, seven days a week as a way of life, forsaking this world like a monastery. 
You don't necessarily have to do that. You just have to set your heart to seek God this week. And and that's why I'm sharing this. That's why I decided me and my wife just got home because I just shared this with her two days ago. And I just said, honey, I'm I'm going to leave for a week, but I'm only going to do it if, if you bless me to do so, if you're in agreement with me. Um, because I think if you're in a marriage and you love your spouse and you're becoming one with your spouse, we don't we're not self-willed. The two become one. And uh, my poor wife, there's been so many times in our, our marriage, in our life, you know, sometimes I know she's like, why didn't I just marry, you know, like a groundskeeper somewhere for, you know, that wanted to retire there or, <laughs> you know, a, a professor, a kindergarten teacher or somebody that uh, maybe um, wasn't as crazy. And I told her, I don't, I don't do normal. Well, Amelia, and she knows that. And, and she loves me for who I am. But I said, I'm only going to go if you bless this. And I said, you have all weekend. I'm not going to bother you about it. I'm not going to, to push or manipulate you on it. I said, I just want you to pray about it and let me know. And so today she said, I, I, I feel aligned with you. You can go. So I took her out to dinner. You know, you should, you should take your wife out for a date. If you're married or if you have kids, you should, take them out on alone time. That's something we try to practice as a family in this world of distraction to try to spend time with each other and dedicate and focus our energy towards each other. And we just got home and I thought, oh, I'm just going to cancel the live broadcast tonight, but I want to be more faithful. 2022 is is going to require faithfulness on so many levels for all of us. And I thought, you know, I want to share what's going on this week because I'm going to have some some podcasts during this journey. So as we travel, uh, I may not, I'm, I'm, I may do some lives where people can't tell exactly where I'm at, or I may post some videos after the fact, um, because I want to share part of this journey with you because I want you, and I'm asking you to pray with me as I go on this pilgrimage, because I'm seeking a number of things. I'm seeking five things exactly. And as I told you in the episode on faith last week, I believe that I believe that God is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I believe that the answer to these five questions that I have, uh, and some of them are pretty serious. Um, if any of you were watching my Facebook today, I posted on there that I'm entertaining, uh, in, in Colorado district five to run for Congress. And, uh, that's a big step. That's not something I take lightly. That's not a joke. Um, we have, uh, a congressman that's been in this position. That's been reelected nine, uh, nine election cycles in a row. And that's part of the problem with our electoral system is we have these, you know, and in his, his, you know, announcing that he's going to run again in 2022, he goes, you, you just need a, you need a person in there that can navigate this federal government. And with all my committee appointments, no, it just means you're rooted in the corruption, man. You're part of the problem. And as I look at your voting record and looked at what you're, you're doing in terms of some of the major attack on our constitutional rights, our freedoms, our, our bodily, medical autonomy, you're not there. And I'm talking to the congressman that's in District 5, the Colorado Congressional District 5, and and I, I want to put myself out there. You know, my wife was like, why? Why would you want to enter that swamp? And I told her, I don't. I, I really don't. But 
I believe the people that deserve or that need to be there are the people that really don't want to be there, but understand that it is a sacred duty in this country to fight that which seeks to enslave the spirits and bodies of humanity. Not to become rooted like a tick to where you can navigate this military industrial process, this this whatever globalist great reset insanity that's happening in our government. I, I would love to see in every single congressional district in these midterms that that all of these older senators and Congress people get voted out. They're gone, that they're gone, that it creates such a, a chaos in the system in a sense of uprooting all of these special interests where they don't have connections anymore, that it would truly change the trajectory of this nation. But here's the deal. I, I don't want to do something like this just because I think it needs to be done. I've told you, I don't believe that there's a political solution for what's happening in this country, that the only thing that is going to change what's happening in America right now is repentance and revival is for the American people to recognize that there is an enemy that hates them, that hates their Judeo-Christian heritage, that hates anything that's rooted or reflective of or historically tied to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to rewrite it. They want to demonize it. They want to make you feel guilty for even believing it. They want you to hate yourself, hate your heritage, hate this country, and help facilitate the destruction of it with them. They want you to admit that you're evil, that you're wrong, that you're racist, that you're a bigot, that you deserve to die, that you should just go jump off a cliff because all you are, all, all you are is a carbon footprint. You're just a, a mouth feeder. You're just a consumer and they're the elite and you're, you're just, there's too many of you. There's too many of you. You all have to go. You have to die. You have to be cold. You have to be locked up, shut down, silenced, censored, removed, put in camps. That's why. That is why I feel I need to put my name out there. And so I told my wife, I said, you know, even if, even if I don't make any traction, see, I can say at the end of the day that I did everything I could to stop this slide into insanity that's happening in my country. That if I put myself out there in every way possible, warn in every way possible, try to counter and resist all of this tyranny and evil in every way possible, try to glorify God and promote the gospel and, 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 and strengthen my family and prepare my children to go out in this world and fight these evil forces and, and fight for the liberty of people and to share the gospel of hope and resurrection in Jesus Christ with the world. And I, I do all of these things. And in the end, if it fails, it's not failing because of me. It's not failing because I did nothing. We're not going into tyranny because I decided to put my head in the sand. And I think if everybody got uncomfortable and began to act in that manner, as we're seeing in Canada, uh, they would lose. And, and that's why I called this show the, the Great Resistance, because that's what we're seeing right now. But it's easy to get hope. And we're seeing, oh, all these people are rising up. And I tell you, let me tell you something. Um, you know, this past couple years, you know, the past 15 days to, to slow the curve, um, you know, time warp 15 days, actually years. 
I really got troubled and frightened for not only my country, but humanity in general. It seemed that so many people were deceived and and just caving into this tremendous evil that I thought, we, we are finished. We are so done. But then as, as I began to see people raise up and rise up and, and, and I realized something, I realized, no, what I was seeing manifested was the good heart of people that did not want to see their neighbor sick or die or perish. And they were willing to uproot all of their life to make sure that they didn't harm another being, another person, another neighbor, people of their community. But once they began to realize how bad the lies were and that evil people were trying to completely destroy this country, and not only this country, but Australia, but uh, Europe, but uh, Canada, and everything else that's going on with these globalist Great Reset uh, criminals, crime cartel. I seen the great resistance begin to rise up. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know about the the truckers in Canada and America that are going to surround the Canadian Parliament in order to protest um, the different mandates and, and, and constitutional and human rights violations that are happening under the guise of medical necessity, then you have not been paying attention. And I, I would strongly urge you to wake up because it's only going to be with all of us doing something, standing up and no longer thinking that someone else is going to take care of the problem. But again, like I'm saying, it's easy for me to get excited. It's easy for me to say, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm serious about the Congress thing. Okay. I I even spoke uh, today with somebody that's very ingrained in politics that I know very well. Uh, asked that individual if they would participate in my campaign. They offered to help fundraise and potentially, um, you know, help with my campaign. And so it's it's a serious thought. Okay, so pray for me. And there are some other things going on about what direction uh, my life's going to take. And so. I think when we're at critical places like this, sacred journeys are are necessary. So my wife came into agreement and we spent the day in church and spent the day going out to eat and just spending time with each other because I won't see her for a while. If I see her again, I mean, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. I'm going thousands and thousands of miles away. Um, Anything could happen. But um, I'm going to share this journey with you as much as I can, as much as it won't interfere with what I'm actually trying to do. Because even today in, in church, in, in some of the scripture reading, I was encouraged by the scripture that to, to set your light on a hill. See, there's a difference between the hypocrite that wants to show you how spiritual they are and they do everything to be seen by man and praised by man and those who uh, want to go out there and shine the light of the gospel and show people there is a God. Watch God provide. Watch God answer my prayers. Watch God answer your prayers as we pray for you. Watch that he acts and interacts and is real. Our creator, our father is real and interacts with us in this time and space, in this arena. And and you know what? You can't tell who those people are just by judgment. Sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. But I feel like I want to share some of this journey with you because I covet your prayers. I really do. 
I want to make the right choices in what's going forward. And so there's another thing that I've been praying about as well. And that's, I keep saying on this podcast and on this show that the only hope for America is, is prayer and fasting, repentance, prayer and fasting. And so I've put out some posts on social media about potentially going to Washington, D.C. during the National Day of Prayer and and starting a three-day fast and prayer uh, where we don't move from in front of the White House or the Capitol or wherever the Spirit leads us, but where myself and anyone who would wish to join in person and those who would join us uh, wherever they were at, would spend those three days, that Nineveh, it's called a Jonah fast, where we know the judgment of God is coming if something does not change. And we're, we're seeking God for forgiveness, for repentance, for our kinfolk, for our people, for our nation. But again, sounds like a great idea. Uh, often when these things come to me, it's like a download. i I'm sitting doing something completely random. I could be reading a book. I could be watching a Netflix show. I could be studying my scripture. I could be having a conversation with my wife. And then all of a sudden, it like from beginning to end, the whole thing just right into my mind. And I'll sit there for a minute and and then I'll kind of come to and go, okay, I don't know what that was, but because I know there's demonic influences, I know that there's pulls and desires of our flesh, I don't automatically assume that's from God. You know, is that from me? Is that from a demonic spirit? Am I getting sidetracked? Am I I being proud? And so again, in a sense, I I want to lead. I want to um, demonstrate by my own actions that I'm not just saying this in a podcast. I'm not just telling you this is essential for this country, but I'm willing to put my money into it. I'm willing to suffer for it. Even if it's just minutely, I'm willing to travel and uh, connect with other people into demonstrating that this is real and I'm serious. But again, the one thing I've learned in the scripture is clear that the house that's built apart from the Lord, it will not stand because I guarantee if you set out to do something for God, if you set out to move forward and receive from God or change your life or repent or pray or, or get rid of something that's dishonoring to God in your life or do something new in your family or in your work or something that, that changes a habit or a desire or a sin or a hindrance to where you're trying to serve God in a more effective manner that you will enter into a new phase of spiritual warfare like you've never experienced. And each time you do that, the greater you try to go, the harder that warfare is going to get. And Satan's going to try to find out what you're willing to exchange your soul for. See, that just shows you how big of an enemy that Christ was uh, even perceived by the evil one because he offered him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory uh, for for worship to the evil one. That's that's what Jesus got. That's what Yeshua got. That was the the temptation. Many of us we, we might get a joint or uh, an adulterous affair or you know a little bit of extra money and we'll sell our soul cheap. You know, Satan knows he doesn't have to offer very much. Maybe just throw some free dope in somebody's lap and they're off running, right? 
But the stronger we're going to go against the kingdom of darkness, the brighter we're trying to shine as the people of God in, in, in the light of, of the church, the greater the battle is going to become. So I've been praying a lot over the past couple weeks, and uh, I was going to talk about this. I don't know if you guys know who David Wilkerson uh, was. He had a church, Times Square Church. I actually went and worshipped in that church uh, before I was baptized Orthodox. And I know this man really, truly loved addicts. He, He really, truly wanted to go out into the highway and byways and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ as he understood it. But many years back, he, he started to predict that this terrible time, this terrible plague was coming. And I was reading this thing where he was talking about there'd be riots and fires in the street and looting that New York would burn. Uh, he thought he would see it in his lifetime. He died, I think, in 2011. But um, And it just got me thinking, you know, like we're seeing upheaval in this world like nothing we've ever seen in my entire life. You know, we got people in this great resistance. We got trucks uh, blocking off parliaments. I saw recently this weekend, a number of people, a large crowd of people were surrounding the Pfizer pharmaceutical company building and protesting. People are fed up. But see, I know that the enemy is slick and I know his servants, they have no conscience. And so even though we're seeing this rising, this great resistance against the Green New Deal and against the policies that want to cripple America and against the open borders where people are flooding across the disorder, the lawlessness, the criminality, the conflicts of interest, the the congressmen and women that are making themselves rich while their children do god-awful things and the FBI protects them. All this stuff is going on. It's like nothing we've ever seen. It's like the foundations have been uncovered. And so they're not just going to go away quietly. People aren't just going to surround parliament with some trucks and then everything's going to change. The contest of liberty, it is an eternal fight. It is and should be all-consuming. That the Founding Fathers, I got all these books this weekend, the Federalist Papers, I got some biographies of Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton, and just trying to peek into the mind of these early founders of this country and their understandings of, of liberty and how, you know, even Benjamin Franklin talked about how we must viciously and vigorously uh, oppose eternal hostility against all which enslaves the mind of men or the will in the body of men that would take away our liberty, right? But see, we willingly give it up spiritually Because I tell you what, even though the founding fathers understood that if you are not morally and spiritually free, you cannot be politically and physically free. Let me repeat that. If you are not morally and spiritually free, you cannot be physically and politically free. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Because true freedom comes from your ability to self-govern yourself 
under an understanding that you are a created being with inalienable rights and that you're willing to battle any encroachment against that liberty of sons and daughters of God, that you are the children of the Most High if you are submitted to the kingdom of God and there is no kingdom, ruler, power, principality that has any authority over you. Period. And we are here to make manifest. We are here to shine light in the darkness, to oppose the wicked, to break the bonds of injustice. And that's what I'm going to finish on because this is going to be a short night. I want you to go out there if you don't know and just look at what's happening. Look at the great resistance which happened this weekend and join it Pray to God of how he wants you to join it. Are you going to go try to free children? Are you going to run for office in your area? Are you going to uh, begin to pray with your family or go to church or change a habit or free yourself up in some other way to give your money to worthy causes, to support a church, a political candidate, to get out there and fight in 2022? Not just sit and be uh, an observer, not just sit and, and be entertained with political or religious entertainment, but to be an active participant, to be a warrior for what is good and what is right and what is true and what is going to bring liberty, life, and health to those around us. Because one thing I'm seeing that's happening in Canada, look, I got my little... I don't know if y'all see this. Oh, man, I'm still on my thing over here. Let's go over here. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Got my little Canadian cup here. Just my little maple leaf. Cheers, Canada. I tell you what, this ain't no joke. I'm half Canadian. Maybe that's why I, I support these guys so well. My mom was born in Canada. I have family in Windsor, Ontario uh, for a large portion of my life. I went up to Canada every summer. Uh, you know, the people are out there. I've seen some American politicians whining like, well, why did those Canadians get to lead the way in freedom? Why didn't America do this first? As if Canadians are some kind of weak people. Canadians aren't weak, man. You ever play hockey? <laughs> that is a man's sport, right? <laughs> That's a tough that's a tough creation by those uh northerners and ice skaters up there. It says I love you to the mountains and back. Oh, can't see it. There you go. I love you to the mountains and back. And then on the side it says uh Canadiana. Canadiana. Very proud. It brought tears to my eyes to see so many people fed up, refusing to hear propaganda, refusing to be shamed. So I was in church today praying about these things that I was talking to you about and uh, about this pilgrimage. And my wife knows about all these things going on. Poor. Please pray for my wife. <laughs> She's like, Raymond, Raymond, why? I told her that's who I am. It's how God created me. I'm a warrior and I I have to run into the battle. I cannot help myself. I will never neglect my family in that. They're, they're why I'm doing it. They're why I want to fight these battles. I want to be a shield of 
protection spiritually, financially, emotionally, all of it, materially, uh, and to fight for them and to cut forward a place for them in the world where they can pursue their own lives, where they can define their own fight for liberty, where they can be the next generation that stands against these evil forces. We don't have to be the generation that that sees all this go down. And that's what I told my wife today. I told her, you know why it matters to me? Because there's a lot of fatalists in the Christian world. And they say, well, you know, God's just going to do what God's going to do. It, it, it just doesn't matter. We can't change anything. That's not in the Bible, okay? If you go read the prophet Jonah, God was going to destroy an entire city. The whole reason Jonah ran is because he said, God, I know I'm going to go preach to these people, these Ninevites who, who attacked and destroyed your people, Israel. People I despise, the enemy, enemies of God's people, and they're going to hear me preach and they're going to repent and you're going to have mercy on them. And I don't want any part of that, Lord. And he took off and he went the opposite direction and he was mad. And even after he preached to them and he watched them repent, he went out in the desert and he sat there and he pouted because he was mad. He wanted to see them destroyed, right? Now, God had decreed that city to be destroyed. Is he a liar? No. See, we are made in the image of God. We have the creative power and ability and authority of the Lord in a lot of respects. Because we have that creative power, and I told that to my wife, you ever, you ever see a rabbit build an MRI machine? No. No, they're creatures bound by their creation. They cannot penetrate into the mysteries of the universe. Not only can we penetrate into the mysteries of the universe, we can, we can recode it. We don't, we don't have to just look at the moonlight. We can go put our feet on that ground. We can alter our environment to make it more livable and comfortable and live in the harshest of environments because we have a creative power. We're made in the image and likeness of God. So there is no fatalistic journey that we're on. I'm, I don't believe in hyper-Calvinistic, uh, you know, everything is predetermined. That's, that's heresy. The church has never taught that. I believe that whatever we're engaged in is so beyond our comprehension or understanding that we cannot put it in a logical order. It's a mystery. But this we can understand that even if something is slated for destruction, if that person, if that thing, if that nation turns and seeks the Lord and repents, that God will grant them mercy, as he did Nineveh. And the last kings of Israel, when they repented, I think it was Hezekiah and Josiah, what did God say? He said, you know what? Israel's so wicked, I'm going to destroy them. There's nothing you can do about that. They're going to pay for their idolatry, for their murders, for their uh, adultery, for, for their paganism, for rejecting God, for oppressing the poor, for oppressing the widow and the orphan, for their sexual perversion. They're, they're going to be destroyed. But because you sought me and because of your humility, um, I'm going to forgive 
your generation and you're not going to see this captivity come to pass. And that's what I told my wife. I said, I truly believe no matter how close we are to the Antichrist system coming into full power, it takes one generation of people to turn and look to God and seek his face and repentance for a nation. And God can turn away his wrath for that generation. And I want to be that generation. And she goes, well, that kind of sucks. She's like, uh, I don't want my kids to suffer uh, either. And I said, well, one, you know, the call to Christianity is a call to the cross. It's a call to die. It is a call to some level of suffering. But at the same time, I told her it will be up to our children to be the next generation that withholds God's wrath and cries out for mercy upon their generation. Nobody knows the time or hour when, when this is all over. So we don't give up. But I have a message. I just want to read this scripture. Let me let me see if I can pull it up real quick. We're going to go to Ezekiel 34, right? And so I'm sitting in church and uh, praying, you know, preparing to receive Christ. And um, sometimes I'll just kind of get an unction and I'll sit down and open up my scripture and you know I'm not the guy that recommends that you read your bible by just opening it up and pointing and and saying that's God's message you need to actually have a spiritual understanding have uh, you know spiritual authority and uh, spiritual mother and father in your life that can help guide you direct you uh, the holy spirit teaching you the word and 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 it has to be the fullness of the revelation of Christ and that there is a way to study the word from beginning to end where you have a clear understanding first, you know, in the flesh, you understand what the word is saying, you understand its history, you understand the exterior of what the scripture is, and then Christ begins to bring you deeper and deeper into the mysteries, right? So I don't recommend you just do that, but sometimes it happens, right? Sometimes you might be in the middle of a crisis and you open your Bible and you don't care where you're reading. You just need to hear the word of God and it goes right to a scripture that you need to, to hear that instantly applies to your circumstance, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're going to talk about that as I go on this pilgrimage. As I can do a couple of live streams and podcasts through this journey, we're going to finish up this armor of God study uh, on on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. But I, I felt like that's what happened to me today. And so as I'm praying about these things and God, what do you want me to do? I opened up to Ezekiel 34. We're going to go there real quick. All right, Ezekiel 34. Okay, and I want to tell you right now, I'm not a pastor, but a little history about me. I I was an evangelical for 20 years. I went to, uh, let me get this light fixed here. I went to a college university, graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Organizational Management Christian Leadership. From there, I went to seminary for two years uh, studying Messianic Judaism and uh, just working towards being a Messianic rabbi. On my mom's side, I'm Canadian. On my dad's side, we're Russian and Jewish. My grandmother was a, a survivor of Dachau, and I felt a very tight bond with the Jewish people. But because I was brought into Christianity so willy-nilly with people that I don't even think really understood the faith, that it took me a long route 
to actually find the Church of Christ and um, learn some of the things that I've learned to enter into the faith. But during that time, I studied with pastors. I, I preached all around this country and and I saw how even in the seminaries, it's just dead man's bones. I, I remember right when I dropped out of a seminary at Denver Seminary, we were doing a, a class on pastoral leadership and we were going through the requirements of a bishop uh, in the book of Timothy. And no one in Western evangelical Christianity even really thinks as they read the early church and how different the worship was, they don't make a connection that maybe the way that they're practicing their Christianity isn't even tied to historic Christian faith, but we're going through that and everybody was laughing and mocking these requirements that if, if a man is a bishop, if he's a spiritual man, if he's a leader of the church, these need to be his qualifications. And the instructor that was teaching it kind of stood up and he said, man, if we had to abide by these qualifications, none of us would be able to be pastors. And the whole classroom of a hundred future pastors started laughing and I raised my hand and I was that guy that when he raised his hand in the classroom, everybody kind of winced like, oh, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Because I was really troubled and I was really trying to find God in the midst of this. I didn't want to go create another religious business. I wanted to encounter Christ. I wanted to see people healed, resurrected, uh, you know, set free. And I thought these men were going to help me get there. And I started seeing they were just as broken as I was. And, and it was devastating to my faith. But I raised my hand and I say, well, maybe none of us should be pastors then if we can't have these attributes. And everybody just kind of stared at me. Nobody laughed. They mean mugged me pretty hard. And I was like, no, seriously. Like if the scripture itself is saying, these are the characteristics, this is what a spiritual man should look like. And we don't have these attributes. What are we actually giving people? If we do not have the spirit of Christ, if we don't have victory in our life, if we don't know how to go through the battle and win, all we're passing on is information. And the kingdom of God is by revelation, not information. I promise you that. And right now, I don't see many leaders out there in the Christian world from any denomination. They're all caving. They're all caving. And I felt like this message came to me this morning. I'm going to read it to you guys and then, then I'm going to have to go because I got to pack. I got to continue packing. But Ezekiel 34 says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Ezekiel was a captive. It was after the destruction of Israel. He was taken and uh, sat in his captivity and began to have visions. So the judgment of God was already upon his people. He had such a powerful vision. If you read the book of Ezekiel, it said that he sat stunned for seven days. You know, you see these Christians out there that are like, this morning I woke up and I was shaving and Jesus popped up beside me and we had a conversation. And it's so blasphemous. And it's like when these people had actual encounters with God, like Ezekiel did, it said he sat dumb and silent for seven days. He couldn't even speak. He just sat there in awe of the intense encounter he just had with, with, the, with the throne of God, seeing God high and lifted up, the ancient of days. And so this is God telling him the word of the Lord coming to him. And he says, son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. 
prophecy and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel. And I would say, Woe be to the shepherds of America, of Israel, of Canada, of Europe. Woe unto you that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? All of these churches falling into disgrace, allowing governments to come in that have no authority and dictate to them how the church of Christ is going to worship Christ, all because of their desire to feed themselves. They don't want to lose that church building. They don't want to lose their esteem. They don't want to lose that salary. They don't want the government to come in and shut them down. And so only a handful of shepherds stood up and said, you won't do this. You don't have any authority here. And we're willing to suffer persecution, uh, but you're not welcome to come in here and tell us how we're going to worship, how we're going to have communion, what we have to wear. You have no authority here, especially under the constitution of the United States of America. None. Zero. But these shepherds, should they not feed the flocks? Why are you rolling over in public? Why are you not standing up and strengthening the flocks and how they should endure during this time? You eat the fat, verse 3, and you clothe yourself with wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. Like you're getting all this spiritual goodies and you're not passing it on to the people that you say you're shepherding, you're pastoring, you're, you're, you're leading you're feeding yourself. You're feeding your family. You're feeding your religious institution. The diseased. This, you want to know what makes a person a spiritual leader? Let me show you what these false shepherds, woe unto these shepherds, what they weren't doing because you're a servant of all. You're not there to be some figurehead that gives motivational speeches. You're there to be as Christ and to wash feet. That's the one thing I learned in seminary is I'm not a pastor. I do not have uh, at this time in my life that dedicated service to people that men of God who are going to be in positions of spiritual authority need. I'm seeking that. I'm seeking that encounter with God. And there's always going to be some level of people that are at a different place than I am, that I might be able to give a hand up to, that I might be able to inspire, that I may be able to challenge, but I would never uh, pronounce myself to be some kind of shepherd or, or pastor. So I know this message wasn't to me. I'm not a shepherd. I do these podcasts because I'm a voice just crying in the wilderness. I'm a man that's seeing this coming and I want to scream for everybody to wake up and I want to try to get the information into people's hands about how we truly fight this spiritual battle in these last days. But ultimately, I encourage people to go serve your church, get under spiritual authority and find a shepherd like is, is opposite of what these false shepherds that we've seen in America and around the world uh, during this crisis over the past few years. But God says the diseased you have not strengthened. You're not going and, and strengthening the hands of those that are suffering. Neither have you healed that which is sick. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. As a matter of fact, you are driving away. You are lording over your people. You are chasing out those who want to stand in the light, their face unveiled in the glory of Christ. 
Neither have you sought that which is lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. I've seen a lot of cruelty from these false shepherds. That even people that want to go to their church and say, I don't understand this father, pastor, whatever term you're using. And, and, and I don't want to put this, I don't want to follow these things. I don't want this government authority to, to be the Lord of this house of worship. And they said, if you don't do what this antichrist system is telling you to do, you need to get out of our church. That's what we're seeing, that they're ruling over the flock with cruelty. And they were scattered. You're scattering the church of God's people because there is no shepherd. And they all became meat to all the beasts of the field where they were scattered. When the church is not the church, when it's not one, then the gates of hell can. They can have some victory because wolves isolate the weak and then they destroy and kill them. And that's what's happening to the church around the globe right now. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them. Are you out there seeking the law, strengthening the hands of the feeble, speaking out against the injustice on both sides, left and right, and pointing people to Jesus Christ? Therefore, you shepherds, you pastors, you priests, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field. Because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, you false pastors, you false spiritual leaders, those of you who are cowards and caved into the Antichrist system. Hear the word of the Lord as I live, says the Lord God. Surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field. Thus says the Lord God, verse 10, Behold, I am against the shepherds. That should put a trembling in any man's heart. That the God who created black holes and supernovas and universes and time upon time and age upon age is against you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? So if God be against you, who can be for you? I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand. You will be accountable for your false representation of being a spiritual leader and scattering the flock of God's people, not preparing them for what's coming, not spiritually strengthening them, not preparing to even take care of their, their physical needs, coming together as one as the church. And God will cause them to cease from feeding the flock. He's going to cut you off. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them, Lord. Deliver your people. Lord, send forward into this world, into this age, into 2022, into the great resistance, shepherds after your own heart, prophetic voices, those who can trample snakes and scorpions, those who do mighty things and know their God. 
I read today as I was sitting there after reading this and I went to the book of Jeremiah on accident as well. And the scripture said, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And I called upon God. I said, show me great and mighty things that I do not know. Show me the path through this. Show me how to fight this battle for my family. Show me how to serve my church. Show me how to prepare my wife and kids, Lord. Show me how to get undistracted and to get all these things that are trying to capture my mind uh, away. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now, this scripture was for Israel, but Paul said that the things in the old covenant were written as examples for those of us upon whom the end of the ages has fallen upon. These are for us to have an understanding about God. So even as you're looking out and you don't see these shepherds and the churches seem to be collapsing, this is really troubling, but I'm, I'm going through these series that I'm going to share with you guys as I go on this journey by uh, um, this Greek father. His name's Father Peter Hears, and he's in uh, Thessalonica, Greece, and he does these live streams twice a week. And I was going through his teaching on the catacomb church in Russia, and he was talking about the Bolshevik revolution and how they rose up to power and how they were persecuting the church. And he said, prior to that Bolshevik revolution, there was over 51,000 churches in Russia in a 20 year period, that 51,000 church strength in the, in Russia was reduced to 500 churches. That means 50,500 churches were destroyed, taken over. The priests were imprisoned, shot, tortured, or, or turned over and became KGB agents. It's a long series on what we've seen in our own historical time about what happens when evil men take power of a country. But even when you see that happening, God says, I'm going to send shepherds out. I'm going to send shepherds after my own heart. And in verse 14, he says, I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be, and they shall lie in a good fold. And in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. And as we go through this battle, and as we go through this struggle through this year, 2022, that God is trying to take us in a better place, in a protected place, in a fed place, in a place where we can rest and have strength and have healing. Verse 15, I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, says the Lord. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. The fat and the strong are going to be destroyed. These shepherds that feed their faces and not their flock are going to be removed by the Lord. He says, I will feed them with judgment. I encourage you to go read the rest of Ezekiel 34. Get a commentary. Read what other people have said. Get some context, some history. I feel like that is a message for 2022. And, it, and it's to all of us. I mean, the Bible says that, that men should not desire to be teachers, to be masters. These things that I teach to you, I'll be under 
a stricter judgment. I have to live these things in my own life. If we're preaching to others, God is going to test that word in our own life. And so part of my journey over this week is about answering some of those questions of how to fight in 2022, how to be part of the great resistance. And I invite you to join me over this week. There may be periods where I don't have service or period where I feel like the Lord uh, tells me I need to go dark. And if so, uh, when I come out, I'm going to tell you what he said to me. When I come out, I'm going to tell you what I experienced, but I am going to promise you this, that I believe over these five days, what I'm going to seek the Lord for will be answered and I will have clear direction and he will strengthen me and make the provision for me to do those things that he shows me that he wants done in this year. And so pray for me as I will pray for you. I'll probably do two, three, maybe even four shows this week. They're going to be shorter. I'm going to share the journey with you guys as much as I'm able and as much as I feel authorized by by my father. Because ultimately, this isn't even about um, I'm sharing the journey with you. It's about discovering and encountering God and going to this place where a man who strongly inspired me and brought me into the faith rest, uh, just to be in that place where he was so close to God, where he built a monastery that's thriving today, when he was just up there in shacks and sticks in the snow and the wildness and the cold and spent his days in prayer and and, and fasting and, and just seeking God, uh, I believe it's holy ground. and I'm going to go spend some time there and uh, encourage you guys to find some of that pilgrimage in your own life this week. So I just felt like I needed to share that with y'all before I got out there on the road. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited because I know God is moving. I'm excited because I'm watching the great resistance and I'm inviting you to join it. I heard a commercial the other day. It said joy is an act of resistance. And it is. Because in an age where people are so miserable and unhappy and unsatisfied and discombobulated and confused, confused about their life, about their gender, about marriage, about their family, about religion, about all of it, that to have joy is an act of resistance. Sandy, hey, Sandy Sue 22. She sent me a scripture. It says, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Amen, Pam. Thank you for that. And and that's where I'm going. I'm actually going to a mountain. <laughs> um, and when I'm done, I'll share with you guys where I went and why I did. I just, uh, I don't want to give the enemy any kind of heads up. But uh, thank you for joining me this evening. Uh, May you be inspired this week to do something crazy for God, something outside of your comfort zone. And uh, may he give you joy, peace, and healing. And if you don't have that spiritual influence in your life, please, in no way, shape, or form, supplement this podcast for any kind of spiritual growth in your life. Do not do that. Go and find a local community of believers that you can serve. And even if you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it, guess what? We're, we don't go 
to the temple of God in order to be entertained. We go to serve God and serve and love his body, his people. And as you go and serve, even if you're uncomfortable and you go and begin to discipline yourself to get yourself into that place and and seek God's voice and seek his direction and how he wants to use you in that environment, you're going to open up a channel of communication that, that maybe you don't have right now. Because now you're entering in his will and his desire for your life and uh, he'll be ready to speak to you. And so uh, go find a community, a spiritual community. And if you don't know where to go, just ask them. It's what I always do. If I move to a new place or went to a new place, I just seek God. That's what I'm doing with this break in my project. It's time to shift. It's time to shift because of what's happening in this year. And I don't have a, a, a lot to... Um, commit to being a project manager this year. God is going to open up some different doors and uh, I'm going to enter this fight in a greater way, uh, Lord willing, if that's what he desires. And if not, he's going to show me uh, where he wants me to go for the time being. But uh, join me in that journey. So thank you for letting me babble tonight. Glad to see you all on here. I'm going to try to cut this and get this out. Um, tonight out on uh, Buzzsprout. And so again, uh, the last day's emergency broadcast, you can go to lastdaysemergencybroadcast.com. As I'm getting the website back up and going, you can go to last day's emergency broadcast at Facebook. You can go to at Schwabstrong on Twitter. You can go to uh, the Schwab family on Facebook or Seraphim Amelia on Facebook. You can go to YouTube at the last day's emergency broadcast. You can find us on Spotify, on Pandora, on uh, Apple podcasts. And we're just trying to get on as many platforms as possible to get this message out before they shut us completely down and, um, share the word and, uh, it's going to be random, so you're just going to have to keep your eyes open this week. I'll give people maybe a 15 to 30-minute notice before I go live, and um, I may or may not. I mean, this is what I'm feeling right now, that God wants me to share this journey with you. I want to share this journey with you. I want you to see how God works in my life in these random things. Like two days ago, I had no um, idea of going thousands and thousands of miles away to go meditate and pray in the mountains at a sacred uh, place that I I really felt compelled to go for a very long time and all of this to come together out of the blue. But that's how God rolls. That's a life of faith. Uh, and he's going to provide. He's already provided. Um, we're good to go. So I hope you join me. So thank you. And uh, probably see you tomorrow at some point in time or Tuesday as we're we're on the journey. So have a good day, and uh, thanks for joining me in the last day's emergency broadcast. 